Hey friends, if you wish you weren't hearing an ad right now, then straight after you listen to this episode, head over to watchnebula.com slash not overthinking with a little hyphen thing in between the not and the overthinking. So watchnebula.com slash not dash overthinking. Through Nebula, you'll firstly get access to all of our podcast episodes ad-free. Secondly, you'll see exclusive content from me and a load of other educational-ish creators. And thirdly, it directly supports this podcast. So you'll incentivize me and Tame to record more episodes. My name is Ali. I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor. I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity, and the human condition. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Not Overthinking. Taymor, how are you doing today? Uh, I don't know, man. This has been kind of a... It hasn't been a hugely productive week. I think I've wasted a bunch of time. I haven't got as much stuff done as I wanted, but it's it's fine. Today is... Well, tomorrow's a new day. Today's still the bad week. Um, how about you? Uh, I've gotten a lot done this week. I've watched a solid 13 episodes of Money Heist on Netflix. Mate. So it's been a good week. And um, the good thing is David Dobrik hasn't been releasing any vlogs, so I haven't really had anything to watch on repeat apart from that. So Oh, nice. I mean... <laughs> I've had, a, I've had a pretty productive week, if I say so myself. <laughs> no, usually around like 10 p.m. UK time, he posts a couple of Instagram stories. <laughs> so oh. I, <laughs> oh, okay. I try and catch those every day. Um, and Natalie also posts a few Instagram stories from time to time. Oh, perfect. All right. Well, I guess I guess I won't be watching Money Heist any longer. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's cut to the chase. So last week we had part one. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Before oh. we cut to the chase, ah. we have an important announcement. What's that announcement? The announcement is that this episode is sponsored by none other than Skillshare. Oh, I thought you were going to say SeatGeek or something like that. <laughs> Uh, it's a bit old isn't it yeah okay well skillshare is a fantastic platform for online classes from all sorts of topics to from design and illustration to i don't know web design cooking upholstery uh interior design all this sort of stuff uh the classes that you should definitely watch on skillshare uh you uh dear listener listening to this episode is is my own class on how to edit videos in final cut pro if you want to be a youtuber or alternatively i've got a wonderful class on how to study for exams which actually just hit ten thousand students there are now ten thousand students on skillshare signed up to this class and it's got amazing reviews so you should definitely check that out um and best bit is you can sign up for a free trial of skillshare by going to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking and if you do that firstly it's really good because it helps us out because it means that Skillshare are more likely to sponsor future episodes of this podcast. Um, but also you get this two-month free trial and in that trial you can kind of watch all the videos that you like uh, and then once you're ready to sign up the premium membership is like $10 a month or something like that. Like it's, it's very, very reasonably priced. It's cheaper than Netflix really but you know you learn a lot more. So thank you Skillshare for sponsoring this episode. Go to skillshare.com forward slash not overthinking. How, how was that? That was great. Now back to cutting <laughs> to the chase. <laughs> uh, last week we had part one of our uh, episode episodes part one of our two-part series on transactional analysis. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should probably listen to that before you listen to this one because this one probably won't make much sense. Okay, but can you give me a summary of last week? Because it was, it was a long time ago, man. I, I can't really remember what we... It was a long time ago. Uh, so the, the main concept, uh, so you know, transaction analysis is a sort of framework or a way of uh, sort of analyzing human behavior and, and social interaction. Uh, and one of the key concepts is that inside each of us, we have three different people. You know, we're, we're one person, but inside us, we have three different people. Um, and these people, you know, sort of control our lives in different ways. Uh, we have the parent, we have the adult, and we have the child. This is called the, the PAC framework, okay? Uh, and uh, do, you, do you remember what the parent was? So the parent is um, essentially that part of ourselves that has been spoken to when we, were ch- when we were like really young children, and we were just sort of taking at face value the things that our parents or other authority figures told us without really having the critical faculties to actually assess these claims on their own merit. Yeah, yeah. So you can think of like your, the, the parent inside you, parent with a capital P, as uh, basically all the all the baggage that you've inherited from uh, your upbringing. So from, uh, you know, your actual parents, from other authority figures, and from, you know, the culture that you've grown up in. It's, it's all the sort of, uh, it's all that kind of you know, baggage that you didn't really choose. Uh, the other, per- one of the other people you have inside of you is the uh, the child. Uh, and the child is uh, essentially your, your kind of feelings from uh, you know the first few years of your life, uh, and you know in in response to uh, a lot of the things that uh, you know you would have experienced as a child, you will have had certain feelings about them, uh, and all of those feelings and and kind of memories are stored inside uh, your child, and you you know you still sometimes uh, can kind of go back into that. So for example, you know even though you know, I think we gave this example last week, even if you think you know I'm a I'm an adult now, I don't really care what my parents think or whatever, uh, you know sometimes if you you know if your parents dis 
disapprove of something you're doing or, or something like that, it can still kind of throw you back into the, the sort of child mindset of, you know, wanting their approval or something, you know, that, that kind of thing. So the, the child inside of us is, uh, is, is sort of feelings from early childhood that we can still, uh, you know, record and that still come up. And finally, the adult is kind of the rational, in inverted commas, the, the rational thinking part of us that sort of looks at the world around us, tries to make sense of it. Uh, and crucially, the adult uh, looks at data from both the parent and the child to try and make sense of that as well. Uh, and we said that the whole point of this framework is to help us change. And the way we, uh, the, the, the meaningful change we can make is to uh, become in control of our own thoughts and feelings and responses to things. And the way to do that is to uh, essentially you know, try and use our adult as, as often as possible rather than our parent or our child. Uh, and for our adult to analyze the data that's in the parent and the child and decide what to keep and what not to keep. Uh, I think there's, there's some quote from some philosopher about uh, the unexamined life is not worth living or something like that. Similarly, the, the unexamined parent is uh, not worth uh, sort of holding on to, ho holding on to exactly. Um, and so each of us have these uh, these three different people besides the parent. I think it was Aristotle who said the unexamined life is not worth living. Did he? Yeah. Or, or some other philosopher starting with an A. Is, is there someone else starting with an A? I don't know, mate. <laughs> um, Aesop? Nah, he wasn't a philosopher, was he? <laughs> no. I mean, so, some say he was, but I, th I think it was Aristotle. Right. I just, I just thought I'd put that in there, kind of throw back to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen to episode one if you haven't. Uh, so PAC, parent, adult, child. And it's any anytime two people are interacting or a group of people are interacting, it's not just, you know, me interacting with you. It is uh, one of the people inside me interacting with one of the people inside you. And so, you know, tr transactions or you know, interactions, is, it's called a transaction with this framework. It can be parent to parent. It can be parent to child. It can be adult to adult. You get the idea. It can be any of the three states inside me interacting with any of the three states inside you. Uh, and depending on which state I'm in and which state you're in, uh, that kind of guides the interaction. Um, and again, as often as possible, we want to be having adult to adult interactions with people. Indeed. So I think the next, uh, so once once you've kind of taken that on board, that's you should sort of think of that as uh, a potential lens through which you can view other things. Uh, and there's another part, yeah, there's, there's another part of the framework that we touched on last week, uh, which is uh, the different life positions. Do you remember, do you remember what this is, Ali? Life positions. I remember we talked about games that people play, but I don't remember talking about life positions. Uh, so yeah, we, I think we, we touched on it briefly as a preview. Um, but essentially, you know. Oh, but, yes. I remember the life positions. There's four, kind of imagine a two by two matrix. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like one of them is, uh, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Okay. Another one is, I'm okay, you're not okay. Yeah. A third is, I'm not okay, you're okay yeah and the fourth is i'm okay you're okay yeah that's right so these these life positions are kind of i, I guess you can think of it as like a a personal plus worldview uh, of how you kind of view yourself in relation to other people um and uh thomas harris who kind of I, th I think he came up with this stuff he strongly believes that uh everyone just by the kind of circumstances uh, that every human is born into everyone starts off life concluding uh that i'm not okay you're okay okay so everyone starts off life feeling feeling kind of uh you know kind of like there's something wrong with them and that's that there is you know other people have it all figured out in yeah, some way like i'm weird other people are normal yeah yeah that kind of thing um and yeah i mean th this certainly resonates with me we've touched on it a lot uh in previous episodes about how yeah you know things to do with like self-esteem and stuff like that um and i i think this makes sense i think it's like a very logical conclusion that any any infant can draw because you know you're kind of thrust into the world you're completely helpless you rely on these big six foot tall people around you for everything uh that you need uh and you know these other people they they kind of you know they stroke you and did we touch on strokes last time uh a little bit <laughs> <laughs> perhaps not in the context you're talking about yeah so a, a stroke is basically uh, a unit of uh almost like a pr approval kind of thing so you know uh, uh, ch children want to be stroked but you know both, both like physically and, and otherwise <laughs> and so you know the, the the child is born they're, they're pretty helpless they rely on the adults around them to kind of stroke them and, and help them survive uh, and so it's it's a very natural conclusion to draw that I'm not okay uh, and these other people are okay because you know they're, they're like they're like stroking me and, and that makes me feel good kind of thing okay um and I mean do you find that convincing I mean yeah it makes sense yeah I mean uh, I was I, I I feel like 
even now in a few different circumstances in, 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 in a, few, a few different contexts i still have a default attitude of i'm not okay you're okay yeah yeah for sure for sure and it's a it's a, a long-term life project to to change that i think for everyone um and yeah essentially like when, when you're a kid you conclude you, you probably conclude uh, i'm not okay you're okay uh we, we can touch on the the other so there's another couple of positions uh that a kid might end up in uh there's i'm not okay you're not okay this is pretty unusual uh it you know it, it kind of only happens if you uh you know your your parents and your kind of family upbringing is sort of extremely traumatic um but you know you know uh, when you're a kid and you kind of can you know you conclude i'm not okay for the same reasons that uh the rest of us conclude i'm not okay um but you know if your parents are extremely abusive or anything like that you might actually conclude uh that you're not okay as well that kind of the outside world and other people in general are you know not okay right um and then there's also i'm okay you're not okay which uh is also unusual uh and so now, are we talking about for children or in, or in general uh for children i mean bas- basically each of us each of us sort of uh concludes one of these positions pretty early on in life okay, okay. um and so you know i'm not okay you're okay seems pretty uh pretty standard i think yeah. we can all see how you might conclude that like i said i'm not okay you're not okay that is is kind of an unusual thing where it only really... it's like i suck and the world also sucks yeah 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 it's like you know you've had you've had like a really traumatic kind of first few years of your life and you know abusive and all that kind of stuff similarly with i'm okay you're not okay uh this is uh you know usually uh kind of concluded by kids who've been you know abused and brutalized and stuff like that um but it can happen apparently that uh you know while the while they're sort of while the kids experience with their parents and with the outside world is very sort of traumatic when they're on their own they can kind of you know it, it's it's like a, a little solace from from the craziness of, of the outside world and they can sort of lick their wounds and and kind of help themselves heal and so they might they might end up concluding that uh you know they can do some self-stroking if you will uh and so they might end up concluding that i'm okay but but the rest of the world is not okay so um, it would would that have been my attitude when i was like eight and decided i wanted to run away from home because it was too restrictive <laughs> uh i don't know that sounds like you just had a rough day <laughs> it had been a long week <laughs> yeah man yeah. yeah, you know, primary school and all that. Yeah, <laughs> God, <laughs> those exams. But yeah, we can we can basically forget about uh, those two positions. Uh, yeah, I think you and I concluded early on that uh, I'm not okay, you're okay, uh, and and okay. So once once the child concludes this, then then kind of what happens? Uh, the, the thing that happens is that the adult inside the child, so you know, the, the, the child's adult, uh, then has a has a little project to work on, and that project is what can I do to get more stroking from these other people who are okay 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 and yeah, stroking is just like validation approval that kind of thing physically mm. or otherwise right um and so there are two ways that uh people people kind of go about this uh the most common one is to live a life uh which, which is kind of framed framed as you can be okay if which is kind of like you know i i'm not okay you're okay but you know i mean maybe i can be okay if i if i achieve something or if i do certain certain things you know and so you kind of spend your life seeing Seeking out, uh, you know, other people who have uh, big parents inside of them uh, who can provide you with nice big strokes. Uh, you spend life seeking and trying to gain approval from others. Uh, and you, yeah, you, you sort of commit yourself to a lifetime of, of climbing various mountains. And obviously at the top of each mountain is, is another mountain. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously this doesn't produce any lasting happiness or a lasting sense of self-worth. Uh, the position is always that I'm not okay. You're just, you, know, you feel like may, maybe if you do enough in some in some sense, then you will become okay. Mm. And Obviously, that's not the case. Um, so that that's the most kind of common uh, approach to dealing with with the not okay. Uh, another one is uh, yeah, this is less common, but it's to essentially uh, live a, live out a, a life script that confirms the fact that you're not okay. Um, so you know, you, I guess a very simple example of this might be like you know the, the kind of naughty kid in the class. You know, they know that they're they're sort of being naughty. They know that the teacher is like you know the teacher's like scolding them, says oh you're bad, whatever, and it kind of like it kind of like internalizes it. it that within them and they're kind of like yeah i am yeah you know what i am bad i'm going to keep doing you know this kind of thing mm. uh and so that is sort of a, a general attitude that some people might end up in uh which is that you know i'm not okay and so i'm going to like live out a, you know, a a life script that confirms that all right um but let's you know we, we can largely just deal with the the common situation of living life um you know th- through the lens of i can be okay if yeah right? I, c- I can be okay if i get the right if if i get the right accolades if i kind of do the right things that's yeah 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 collect the right badges you know get approval from the right people um that kind of thing uh and so 
look, most of us are, are, on, are on this journey of having concluded that we're not okay, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the first person. We've concluded that I'm not okay, you're okay. And we are, you know, in the midst of a life where we think I can be okay if, okay? Okay. And uh, the goal is really to get to uh, kind of enlightenment, which is the position uh, of I'm okay, you're okay, right? And that this is a position where, yeah, I mean, hopefully you get the picture from the very simple language. Uh, but it's a, it's, it's a position where where you have, uh, yeah, there's a sense, there's a sense of uh, self worth and equality of, of all human beings, kind of. Yeah, so kind of being comfortable in your own skin and also not trying to sort of um, apply an overly judgmental worldview to other people. Yeah, sure, exactly. Um, and unlike unlike the other positions, this is, uh, you know, this position is a, a conscious decision which you have to make. The first three positions, you know, the the adult inside of you concludes one one of those three positions when you're, uh, you know, when you're really young. It's not like a it's not like a conscious decision of like oh i want the, I, the adult inside of you yeah yeah you know so the rational thinking part of you concludes one of these decisions when you're young yeah yeah based on based, oh, on, based the on, stuff on the inputs the that you're getting the, yeah it, and, okay. and like yeah it, it's a fairly natural thing to conclude um however to yeah to, to to get to the position i'm okay you're okay you have to make a conscious decision to want to do it um and yeah sort of once you right now tame is consulting a physical book which is something i've literally never seen in my life <laughs> this is incredible i didn't know you could read All right, so once you've decided that I'm okay, you're okay, and once you've decided that this is the way you want to view the world, it's not it's not a, it's not a simple matter of like, ah, oh, I've read this book, I've, I've listened to this podcast, I'm okay, you're okay, you know, <laughs> kumbaya. It's it's <laughs> it's not really like that. It's sort of it, it's it, it's a it's a, a difficult journey of like continually kind of uh, re reinstating that within within yourself, Use, yeah. using you know fr from the adult part of yourself. Uh, and so th th there's an example that comes to mind that we talked about uh on some previous episodes uh i think we were talking about making friends and we were talking about you know group holidays and that kind of stuff and i think i said something along the lines of you know the i think the first time i was going on like a group holiday with strangers i was kind of nervous i was like oh man like what if no one likes me what if uh you know what if i don't fit in this kind of the classic like not okay sort of um sort mm. of stuff um but then once i'd been on like a few group holidays you know my 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 sort of instinctive child response of like oh man like what if no one likes me i'm not okay you're okay but that instinctive response you know was then met with some reflection from my adult which is like well actually you know you've been on you've been on like three or four group holidays with random people in the past it's always turned out well there's you know there's nothing to worry about kind of thing and so my adult in that sense was kind of reinforcing the i'm okay you're okay position um based on actual data it had, it had gathered from group holidays and things and so you know like getting getting to this i'm okay you're okay uh, sort of, uh position is not about just like sitting down and saying this is this is how i'm going to view the world it's about like every every time your child comes out in a situation and every time your child comes out with the uh with the sort of i'm not okay you're okay feelings you then have to consciously assess those feelings uh using you know with your adult you know using data from the parent uh, and, and the environment around you to understand why in fact the child feelings are invalid and why uh why why you're okay this is similar to the basis for a lot of things like cognitive behavioral therapy whereby you kind of start up where you you where where the first step is to notice uh, a thought pattern that is kind of leading you down a destructive path and then the next step is to kind of critically assess it and bring to mind all sorts of evidence against it and even then it's still really really hard but with enough practice you know there's a, a phrase in within a cognitive neuroscience which is uh, axons that fire together wire together yeah i think you've said this before on the podcast have i oh yeah. really right it's it seems like i'm not the only one who repeats ideas then um, <laughs> And so kind of the more that the, the more we train ourselves into these patterns of thinking, the more they become part of our lives. Yeah. And that's why I, I take strong issue. And when people are like, oh, but, you know, the stoicism says you could control your thoughts. But, you know, I can't control my thoughts. It was like, well, <laughs> actually, you probably could if you worked at it hard enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's very much a process of kind of a, a, a process over the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that's absolutely spot on. And, and that's the thing I really like about transaction analysis and the framework in general. It's yeah, I feel like a lot of ideas around this stuff over the past hundred 
hundred years have kind of reached very similar conclusions about you know about like the goal the goal being to be in control of your sort of thoughts and feelings and things like that and like how roughly how to get there so it's it's this isn't it's not something like completely left field this is not you know this is not like the courage to be disliked <laughs> uh i think yeah so i think this stuff actually has a lot of links to uh adlerian psychology or whatever you want to call it um but but basically if you're thinking oh man this is like some weird psychology framework like i don't know if it's up to date with like latest stuff or whatever you know how do i know there isn't a better one like these are all similar ideas that lots of different you know schools of thought have arrived at in different ways and these are different framings of similar ideas and so you can you know, rest assured this th- this doesn't really contradict uh you know any other sort of you know valid in inverted commas ways of viewing things uh, or ways that people view things right yeah that seems reasonable i suppose um you know a minority of our listeners might currently be thinking yeah well what about the case of uh you know in, insert extreme example of psychological torment here right yeah i mean it fits into the framework you know if you're a kid and, and you've you've kind of experienced that you might end up in one of the other life positions but uh, probably, i think it's fair to say most of us are probably kind of listening to this right now in the i'm not okay you're okay camp for a lot of things i think even if you're in any of the other camps like the the same stuff applies it just you know the journey will be different you know the challenges will be different but the same stuff applies and mm. the goal is to get to i'm okay you're okay okay so one example is for you kind of on these group holidays i think uh, an occasion in which i i consistently think i'm not okay is when it comes to when it comes to thinking about uh the idea of traveling and the and the constant worry that oh i wonder if i'm going to make friends and i i suppose in my in my heart i have a, a feeling of kind of i'm not okay in terms of interacting with other people yeah yeah <laughs> and i suppose like anytime i kind of voice this out loud then i kind of realize that actually you know i i, I make friends wherever i go it's it's, it's not that hard you know I'm, yeah it you know I i'm back a cool myself. guy <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah i'm kind of cool especially if i kind of walk around with a vlogging camera people yeah. are going to want to be my friend uh so so i think you know or at the very or at the very least a deck of cards you know i can always whip out a magic trick yeah whip out your deck <laughs> um yeah so that's a constant position of i'm not okay you're okay but i i always have to yeah sort of critically assess that i mean like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be all right yeah <laughs> i just need to go to a hostel <laughs> and pretend to be drunk yeah yeah exactly and i yeah yeah I, I imagine most people will have similar things where they're you know there are certain situations that bring out the child and they bring out the not okay mm. and you kind of have to try and think yourself out of them uh, regularly there's, there's there's an interesting example uh, which harris gives in the book he says one day a young divorcee uh, in one of my groups complained angrily ah you and your damned okay bit i went to a party last night and i decided to just be as nice as i could be and i decided that everyone else there was okay uh, and i went up to this woman uh, and i said oh hey why don't you come over here and have coffee with me sometime uh and she cut me down to two feet tall she said well i would like to but you know everybody doesn't have the time to sit around and gas all the way gas all day the way you do um you know and, and and so this woman who tried hard at this party to you know to decide that i'm okay you're okay this other woman kind of shut her down made it feel bad and so she kind of felt like oh man this okay thing this okay thing is rubbish you know i did my bit and uh, didn't work um and yeah harry says you know personal or social storms are not going to subside immediately when we assume a new position uh, the child wants immediate results um but the adult can comprehend that patience and faith are required we cannot guarantee instant okay feelings when we assume this position um but yeah it's uh it's kind of a, a long journey just on a completely unrelated note this this phrase patience and faith i've i've not really come across it in a sort of patience and faith like together as a concept before except kind of this week i've been reading these books about storytelling um and one of the ones i'm reading at the moment is called Storyworthy. Uh, and essentially what well, what the author is saying is that is that every night you should do this thing called the homework for life uh, and the homework for life is every day you reflect on your day and you ask yourself, what is the most story worthy component of my day? Like if I had to tell a story about something that happened today, what would I what one thing would I choose to tell a story about? And he says that if you do this every day for a year, two years, three years, you will end up becoming a master storyteller. You end up kind of re- reflecting on your life a lot more. Life will like time will slow down for you because you're actively reflecting on your day. But he says in the book that it takes faith and patience. And most people reading this won't either won't have the patience or won't have the faith that it's going to go somewhere. Mm. And when I read that in the book, I was like, oh, damn, this faith and patience thing, this is pretty good. Because a lot of the whole, I don't know, like, you know, to taking it to a concrete realm, the, the, you know, if you want to make it start a YouTube channel or something, it takes patience and it takes faith that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to be consistent with this and it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to trust the system. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> trust the market. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to say something in response to that. Oh, yeah, the story thing. Like, where are 
we're on a tangent, we better get back on, on, on the right path on the straight and narrow very soon. Um, but the story thing, I think when I started using Twitter, like a, uh, probably like maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, I'd kind of walk through life with the lens of like, oh, what, what could I tweet about this? <laughs> and it's, it's the same as the story thing. And like, you just get better at like thinking of good tweets as a result, <laughs> you know? It's exactly the same. <laughs> as soon as you have a, a, any kind of janky thought process, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. hello. <laughs> How could I turn this into 140 or 280 characters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So look, most people uh, conclude I'm not okay, you're okay. And uh, most people deal with this in the wrong way, mm -hmm. which is by uh, playing games. Uh, and games is another core concept in transaction analysis. Um, so... There's, there's a few di different categories of types of social interaction. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go through all of them. There's like seven. Uh, you know, one of them is like withdrawal, where you completely withdraw from other people and you, you know, you kind of, it's the one-sided interaction. You kind of just interact with yourself. Um, another is uh, pastimes, which is kind of, uh, a, a pastime is just uh, sort of a, a kind of like pr predictable set of, you know, ongoing transactions where, uh, you know, bo both people kind of know what's up. Uh, it, it's, it's like making small talk so that a small talk would be an, an example of uh of like a pastime where you know you mentioned the weather they know they know they know what this pastime is like you know they, they know we're about to engage in small talk about the weather mm. right and uh, <laughs> it's like every day when i walk onto the wards and the ward clock's like oh hey ali how's it going and we're like yeah i'm all right emily how are you and she's like oh i'm good how's your day been and you're like yeah not bad it's, it's like the same the same pattern repeated over time yeah yeah so it's, it's kind of like a, a set a series of sort of semi-ritualistic um kind of complementary transactions so you're like you're you're sort of uh you know play, playing off of each other you know you're not like contradicting each other or anything you're, you're sort of both do, doing the same kind of you're, you're dancing in sync in this kind of ritual oh uh, mate, that, about, that, that happens like that's basically most of my day when i'm at work yeah fast times yeah. <laughs> it's like you talk to someone and be like oh hey how's it going good how's your day been you know how's how's the whole virus situation yeah not too bad yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this is oh um so uh which placement are you on at the moment <laughs> oh you know I'm, I'm, I'm cardiology oh cool you know which ward is that <laughs> you could kind of really map it out have you have you thought about what you want to do next year from August? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like one hundred percent word for word with everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this is classic, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, like, yeah. You know, the, the the point of saying that these these are pastimes. The, you know, the point of like describing this phenomenon isn't to say like, oh man, people are so stupid engaging in pastimes. That's not the point. Um, yeah, pastimes are fine. The primary objective is is to basically structure the structure time. Yeah, you know, it's to pass the time. Um, and so uh, that's what a pastime is. Uh, and and pastimes are generally kind of optimized so that both parties get like um, you know, get get some like good outcome at the end like you know you don't really structure a pastime so that uh i mean yeah you wouldn't generally structure it in a way that significantly favors one party over the other or something right um you you kind of have these pastimes that you've you've kind of been trained in just by uh sort of interacting with people and, and what your parents teach you and stuff like that to have like a a mutual good vibes uh once once you're done basically hmm. right um However, uh, aside from pastimes, people also engage in games, uh, and a game uh, is a uh, is also a series of complementary uh, transactions where, like, we're we're dancing in sync, right? Um, and there is also like a, a kind of well-defined, predictable sort of outcome. However, there's like there's like a concealed motivation. There's like a, a you know some of the transactions ha have like an ulterior motive. Ooh, okay, interesting. Uh, and there's like a there's like a dramatic outcome, and then there's a payoff where typically one person wins and the other person loses. Right, oh. so. So that's why it's defined as a game. Yeah. So, so the, the key things that like separate a game from a pastime is that there is some kind of ulterior motive behind uh, behind what you're saying, right? Uh, and there is uh, sort of this dramatic outcome where there's like a payoff for both parties, typically when one party wins and the other party loses, okay? Okay. Uh, and so last time we mentioned some examples of games. Um, uh, we, we mentioned some examples of pastimes as well. So like Ain't, Ain't It Awful is a classic pastime. Uh, you and someone else uh, sit and have a good old whinge about something, right? and like you, you kind of play off of each other like if someone's like oh man i hate public transport like generally you're gonna you're gonna engage and feel yeah yeah it kind of sucks i know um you know you, you'll both play into awful together uh, the, the pastime um so the, i i think one of uh, we'll just discuss a couple of games in particular just to kind of give give everyone an idea of like what is a game and, and kind of how can i spot when a game is being played uh so th there's there's a there's a very classic game called why don't you yes but okay and this 
this this was actually th this particular oh <laughs> <laughs> i can feel the wheels turning in my mind yeah and th this this particular kind of uh structure of uh, you know, a series of transactions was the original stimulus for eric byrne you know the guy who came up with transaction analysis this was the original stimulus for him to actually come up with the idea of games he sort of spotted this and he thought wait there's something weird going on here and this was like the first thing he noticed and then he noticed another one and he was like oh wait okay there's like a whole structure here right um and so uh here is an example of why don't you yes but all right so this is the the, the two-player version um we can say like white and black are the two people a bit like chess and so white you know uh white might say oh i'm so fed up of staying in uh and then black might say why don't you go out tonight and then white would say yes but i have to get up early tomorrow and then black would say oh why don't you come with me for dinner after work and then white would say yes but i have to save money and then black would say oh okay why don't you cover come over to my place instead and then white and then white would say yes but you live too far and and so on and and this kind of goes on right um <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's good this is so good <laughs> So why why don't you yes but literally happens all the time in everything. <laughs> yeah. So so this is uh this is like a really common game. Uh I think everyone everyone's kind of engaged in this at some point where white plays a role of kind of the the helpless person uh which is mostly personified by the the child inside white uh and black plays a role of the advisor essentially uh through the the parent inside them. Okay? Um and the reason this isn't just a pastime, the reason this is uh, a game is that, you know, on, on the face of it, this is, you know, the two people are framing this as an adult to adult interaction where, you know, one person is saying something, another person is making a suggestion, the other person like, you know, has a, has a think and makes a reasonable response to why that's a bad suggestion or whatever. But really what's going on is that White is trying to prove that, uh, that, they, are, that they are right and that their problem is unfixable so that they feel justified as to why they're in that, you know, situation. Um, White is trying to essentially prove that, oh, I'm helpless, you know, uh, basically, like, basically like, I'm not okay and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, and they want, uh, they want to show that, the, they want to get satisfaction from confirming that position and kind of showing the showing black to be kind of inadequate in that black suggests all these things, but they're all wrong suggestions, you know? Um, and so White kind of wins this game eventually when black gives up and, and kind of says, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. The, your life sucks and there's absolutely... <laughs> nothing you could do about it <laughs> and white's like yes i win the game yeah <laughs> damn right <laughs> um and yeah like black black mostly loses there's maybe like a mild payoff in feeling like you know feeling like you're trying to help someone you know taking the, the parent role but mostly black kind of gets frustrated uh and loses uh and and you also see you also see this game happen at like parties or whatever there might be like a group of people and so you know, the example from the book is um uh someone at the party might say oh man my husband always insists on doing our own repairs and then basically there'll be a group of people and one by one the other people in the group will suggest something to white uh, about like oh why don't why don't you do this or whatever and then white will shoot that down and the next person will be like, oh why don't you do that and this this will go on until eventually um someone might you know, someone in the group will basically say oh yeah man your husband sucks or something or like oh yeah man am i right that kind of thing um so this this is a really common game uh i remember yeah i think this, this is also like one of the, one of the things that i i started noticing a few years ago and i noticed that i had i had one friend at university and she would she'd she almost always want to play this game and i think i i think i i played it i played it a few times then i kind of cottoned onto the fact that like this is a stupid game <laughs> mm. uh and then sort of stopped kind of engaging with it from then uh and i think this is one of the yeah i think fr from having spotted this a while back i almost never engage with this <laughs> now <laughs> like i i always always assume that okay the other person is trying to they're either trying to have like a good old whinge about something and that's fine you know the, the nice to blow off steam once in a while or they're looking for for other people to confirm that they are helpless <laughs> in this situation and uh, it, it doesn't really help anyone to, to play the game with them uh so essentially if you find yourself uh if you find yourself in this game if someone tries to play this game with you uh a better response is to kind of shut it down by saying either by empathizing and saying oh man yeah that really sucks kind of thing um or by kind of you know, I don't know turning it on them and saying oh okay so what what are you going to do about it kind of kind of thing rather than playing the whole suggestions and getting shut so quite quite a few things come to mind with this um there's uh, a close friend of mine who sort of finds himself playing this game with his girlfriend a fair bit ah. uh where the girlfriend will uh complain about something and uh my friend will give a suggestion and then uh the girlfriend will sh shoot it down and, and yeah 
this happened a few times and now what my friend does is that as soon as that initial as as soon as the initial complaint comes in he says right is this one of the situations where you want an answer is this one of the situations where you want to whinge (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then she you know has the the self-awareness to be like fine it's it's one of the situations where i want to whinge yeah (laughs) and then both parties know what's going on yeah (laughs) and then fine (laughs) whereas before from what i understand it 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 would sometimes be a source of frustration for for my friend yeah (laughs) as to why black loses this game it's well it's well known yeah <laughs> um i remember we've also got a friend from from, from school who would play this game fairly, like extremely regularly it'd be a case oh, okay. of yeah, yeah, yeah. hey john uh do you want to come to the cinema with us a lot he was like uh no i can't i'm like okay why not um because i, I don't have a lift all right i'm driving i'll take you uh oh no no the, the, that won't work because i have to be home at a certain time okay that's fine we can drop you straight back afterwards and then we'll go after no no that one and, and then a sort of uh, after after a few months of this it's just like john we're going to the cinema feel free to come <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then and ultimately john ends up not coming to the cinema with us at all but what can you do yeah yeah it's a, it's it's not a winning game yeah and so look uh, i think this is uh i think this is a good example of game but the, the point is not that like it's bad to whinge or anything like that the point is that so so game games are generally bad like they're generally not a good not a good way for people to transact with one another Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of like the the ulterior nature of it you know it's like you're not really being upfront with the other person it's kind of you know it's it's kind of like manipulative sort of thing uh, you know y- if you want to have a whinge you can have like a, a sort of adult to adult you, you can have a non-game whinge you know you, you can have a, 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 a pastime whinge you can have a pastime whinge <laughs> you can play Ain't It Awful with one another yeah just <laughs> yeah. play Ain't It Awful <laughs> you're like look Tamar I want to play Ain't It Awful right now <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to play chess here <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so that so that's one example of game i'll give you i'll give you another example uh and then we can um talk a bit more broadly about this stuff yeah i find myself like sort of just like on this on the similar topic i I find myself playing the role of black like these days when it comes to um sort of encouraging people to start a blog or something like that that's like an absolute classic example (laughs) of kind of playing playing this game where someone would be like oh you know my career is not going great and be like have you considered writing online (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then White says, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, I've kind of thought about it, but, oh, you know, I don't think I'll find the time. You're like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you watch at least 30 hours of Netflix each, each, each week, you know, potentially, you know, even a tenth of that could be used to, to start a blog. Yeah, but I don't know, people at work are going to be weird if I write. And, and then this is sort of a kind of, I've, I've played this game far too many times. <laughs> is it, I, li- I like that you bring this up because yeah. I actually don't think that is uh, a game of why don't you yes, but that, oh, really? that was not initiated by the other person. That game is initiated by you. Mm. And that game is called Now I've Got You, You Son of a Bitch. <laughs> okay, that, that's the game that you play. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, I remember at the, at, the, at the end of the last episode, we were talking about, you know, the, the whole thing about like, uh, you know, I think both, you, you and I are on the same page about the you know, the social taboo against incest being unjust in yeah. uh, modern secular society. Uh, it's inconsistent with, oh, uh, with other okay. beliefs. I see right? where this is going. Yeah, <laughs> and and, we, and you you were talking about how you you love to kind of bring up bring up that topic yeah. with other people because it it kind of like gets them into a corner yeah. where they have to they basically ultimately have to agree with you. Yes. Uh, and so what you do that is, that is a classic example of now I've got you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> where uh, essentially you know you're not really you know this is not an adult to adult this is not an adult to adult conversation of like trying to reach the truth about something or trying to learn about something this is you having spent a large amount of time thinking about something uh you know which typically the other person will have not spent much time thinking about okay uh and so you know you know that there is no way for the out of this for them okay you know that if you you can push them into this corner and you can keep prodding them until they give up <laughs> okay until you win the game and so you're playing now i've got you son of a bitch with the incest thing and you're also playing now I've got you, son of a bitch, with the writing online thing. Because this is a classic shtick of yours. You spend your whole time thinking about this thing and why everyone should do this thing, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you, you can you can basically bring it up with anyone you meet. And you'll find that you'll find that you end up in this sort of game situation where it's a very predictable ending where, you know, you're going to sort of keep hammering on this door of like, start a blog, damn it. <laughs> yeah, and they're not really going to budge. Name, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, this is not a case of why don't you yes, but, you know, if the other person was like, oh man, 
man, Ali, you know, what should I do? I, you know, I, I want to like do some, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then you suggest a thing and then, you know, maybe that would be a, a, a case of why don't you? Yes, but this is actually a case of you playing, now I've got you, son of a okay, bitch. No, no. Well, you know, you, you, you know how this is going to go down. It, it, it's a set of like, you know, there's a predictable outcome. You're the clear winner, uh, you know, and, and there is something ulterior in, in your behavior there. You'll agree, you'll agree there's something ulterior in your behavior for the incest thing. Maybe you'll claim that, oh no, it, I, it's all in good faith when I'm trying to convince him to start a blog. I have a feeling you get some kind of kick out of the fact that they, they generally don't have a uh, a sort of good argument as to why they shouldn't start a blog. Uh, I want to push back against this. So I actually think it's more a case of uh, why don't you yes but? Because in my experience, so I, t- I tend not to bring this up spontaneously. I tend to bring it up in the, in the context of someone having a good whinge about their job, which kind of, uh, depending on who you hang out with, ends up being, being either more frequent or, or less frequent. And it feels like it feels to me in my head as one of the suggested like similar to oh I'm, fe- I'm feeling really lonely tonight oh why don't you come out to dinner with me you know that's not a case of I've got you now you son of a bitch yeah that's a case of why don't you yes but equally for me it's like you know my friend John is being like my job is terrible I hate my life you're like oh well have you, have you thought about starting a blog online as opposed oh, to okay sure so John uh, <laughs> how's that domain name going <laughs> dude i was just talking about the weather i mean come on i just want to have a pastime here (laughs) why do you keep bringing the blog thing up (laughs) okay fine um but Uh, you you agree the incest things uh is you playing i've got you son of a bitch uh in in the past sure i haven't haven't brought it up for a a very long time but i will i would relish the opportunity (laughs) if it it came up in conversation be like right that's interesting Yeah. Um, See, so yeah, I think. I think. Uh, oh, it's 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 kind of like anytime people say, like I I I I kind of have my my spidey radar that goes off anytime someone says anything to do with the fact that that person is weird for posting something online. Oh, okay. Then I think, right, <laughs> let's hash this out yeah. right now. <laughs> now I've got you. <laughs> got you now, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Why uh, exactly is that weird? Oh yeah, are you sure? How about that photo that you posted yesterday? <laughs> yeah, but you know, there are uh, there are good faith, you know, adult to adult ways of handling those situations. Mm. And there are ulterior gamey ways of handling those situations. And I think if you, if you find yourself getting a kick out of it, <laughs> getting a perverse kick out of it, <laughs> you're, you're probably playing some kind of game <laughs> and that's not that's yeah, not that's great um yeah so look there's there's a ton of different games uh dr eric byrne wrote a, a book called games people play where he kind of lists out a bunch of different games and kind of analyzes them by analyzing you, know, you kind of lay out the structure of how they typically go you know white says this black says this and you kind of lay out like what is white actually what's white's true purpose here that they're you know, trying to hide uh what's like black's true purpose that kind of thing um and crucially like if you find yourself in you know in this game how do you stop playing the game right uh and so yeah generally yeah generally the way to stop playing the game is to uh respond in a in kind of like a non-complimentary way like the game only goes on if you if you keep having complimentary transactions where like you're both dancing in sync you, you gotta gotta sort of break the dance so if someone is like you know playing the role of the child and they're looking for someone to play the role of the parent to kind of uh you know placate them or comfort them or something like that um yeah maybe there maybe there are times where that's fine there are times where it's less fine uh and if you respond uh through your adult that typically kind of you know breaks the dance uh, a little bit and you can just you you can kind of move into doing something a bit more uh, productive, not economically productive, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I was say. yeah, <laughs> I need I need to get excited about that uh, <laughs> cool. productivity. Oh, yeah, what, is, what does TA say about Skillshare.com? <laughs> forward slash not overthinking yeah um look i'll i'll list out some names of games um so there's now i've got you son of a bitch there's if it weren't for you uh there's why don't okay, you yes wait, but. Wait, wait, so what's if it weren't for you sorry what's if it weren't for you uh yeah this is a this is another sort of common-ish one um look, i haven't i haven't got like concrete notes on this so this is just me like trying to explain this straight out straight out of the noodle uh if it <laughs> <laughs> i've not heard that one before <laughs> yeah so if it weren't for you is is, uh is when okay so like uh, let's say like uh, i'm white and you're black okay uh and uh let's say okay let's say that secretly i i don't know let's just say like we're married or something right and uh secretly (laughs) (laughs) i've got you now you son of a bitch uh let, yeah let, let's say like we're we're married can't use that argument of like what about the kids <laughs> <laughs> right that's unlucky let's say <laughs> 
let's say we're a married couple uh, and I don't know, you like me to be home at a, you know, you don't like me hanging out with the boys, the boy. Uh, is that a good example? No. Okay. A more obvious example is like, you know, yeah, to, to, to kind of frame it in, in terms of very traditional sort of gender roles. And this is, this is the example that uh, I think Eric gives, uh, similar to the example that Eric Byrne gives in, in Games People Play. Uh, you know, let's say the, the wife wants to, um, you know, you know, the, the wife kind of wants to sort of put herself out there a little bit and kind of, you know, learn how to dance or something, go to, go to like dance classes and, and, you know, do a bit of like dancing, uh, performance dancing kind of stuff. The husband is, uh, but, but Christian, the, the wife is also kind of scared of it. You know, it's kind of uh, outside her comfort zone. Um, it, it's kind of a, a hard thing for her to do. Um, so she, she, she kind of wants to do it. She's, she's mostly scared of doing it. Uh, the husband is, you know, quite, uh, domineering or whatever. And he's like, oh no, you have, you know, you have, you have to be home at me. You, know, you have to be at home and cook the dinner for me and the kids or something. Um, and, uh, in that case, uh, the wife might find herself, uh, playing if it weren't for you, where deep down she knows she's scared of, um, she knows she's scared of putting herself out there and going and learning how to dance and performing. However, the husband, like being domineering or whatever, provides her with the perfect excuse of like, ah, oh, if it if it weren't for you, then I'd be able to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, when secretly, um, she's kind of she's glad she has that excuse uh, of, of of the husband sort of. Uh, yeah. Okay. That yeah. Makes- and and so yeah, you're off. Yeah, the wife and the husband in this case might end up in this game where uh, sort of having a bit of a shouting match against each other, a uh, bit of a like disagreement about stuff in general and the wife might be like oh well if it weren't for you i'd i'd be able to do this and that and what, whatever right so, so that that's kind of what if it weren't for you is uh there's another game called i'm only trying to help you uh there is uh look how hard i've tried uh there's look what they made me do uh, there's look what they made me do uh, sorry what's look what they made me do it sounds like a taylor swift song uh yeah look we sh- you can read the book oh yeah well, we, well, i don't think we should sit, sit here and go well, you're gonna list all of them <laughs> you know, i'm listing like... a bunch just to kind of you know because like the the names are quite descriptive okay look, look what you do is why does this always happen to me? Uh, there's kick me. <laughs> and look, there's, like, <laughs> there's lots of kick. You can't just say that and then not expect me to, to follow up with a question. Like, what the hell do you mean? Uh, wait, how are we doing for time? Dude, we're doing fine. This is fine. We're on 52 minutes. <laughs> um, I think we should have a part three where we just look at list these games people play. I think that'll be fun. It'll be good content for next week. Uh, yeah, that is a, that is a fun thing. However, let, let's yeah, let, let's move away from like specific games in general. Like, do you agree? Sounds like a I've got you now. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, so now now you're doing something called game calling. <laughs> <laughs> which is a uh, a common a common thing that new acolytes to to transaction analysis uh, fall into which yeah. is that like oh i have now learned all the games and i yeah. could like call other people out and play these games mm. it's it's a bad thing to do it's generally not a good thing to do you know you, you should an- you should analyze a game uh sort of yourself after the fact or even like during the fact and try and stop playing the game uh yeah ge- generally like keep it to yourself or like sit there and, and have like a game analysis session with other people who are uh you know well versed in in transaction analysis and PAC and all that stuff, that's a fine point to say, ah, so, you know, we were playing this game earlier or whatever, but like, you know, in the midst of a in the social interaction, like, call, calling someone out of like, oh, ha ha, you're playing Age of Awful. Huh, I can tell you what you're going to do now. <laughs> you yeah. know, or like, oh, you're playing, uh, why don't you yes, but this is how this is going to go. You know, it, it's a dick move, basically. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> yeah, that's called game calling. You don't want to do that. Um, yeah, look, people mostly play games to deal with a not okay. All right, that's why, that's, that's mostly why you, yeah, people play a game uh you on board with that mm, I you, mean, you deal with the not okay by playing these games and a lot of the games are kind of <clears throat> perverse in that they they sort of confirm that you're right about the not okay they, they kind of like confirm the not okay and, and you kind of get off on that or they kind of elicit strokes from other people which make you feel less not okay okay yeah all right so yeah gen- generally that's that's like why people play games it's it's sort of a way of dealing with the not okay and generally uh games are a bad idea uh you know it's uh not nothing good really comes out of them uh and yeah harris believes that um all games have their origin in the uh childhood game uh called mine is better than yours uh and little you you see little kids play this all the time uh and little little kids play this to sort of you know as 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 some like momentary relief from from the not okay uh you know like wanting to have like the bigger portion of ice cream or you know wanting to be first in line or like you know laughing when your sister makes a mistake or uh you know kicking the cat (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) 
Oh, sorry, that's, uh, that's just me. <laughs> that's one for next time. <laughs> yeah, you know, having more toys, all, all of this, all of this stuff um, is uh, is sort of mine is better than yours, which little kids do to to kind of ease the not okay. So that time bit. when you uh, took my Pokemon Blue and you hit the new game button and you overwrote my save where I had 146 Pokemon, <laughs> that, uh, that, that was you basically saying I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was an expression oh. of the not okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. I forgive you now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, now that yeah. I understand. Yeah, and essentially, if it, you know, grown-ups indulge in more sophisticated variations of mine is better than yours, right? Um, yeah, we try and get temporary games. Yeah, you know, temporary relief from like accumulating possessions. You know, getting a bigger house than the Joneses, um, or even uh, even like reveling in your own modesty of like, oh, I'm humbler than you, yes. kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've only got a TV that's 15 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unlike you, who have the latest model. Therefore, I win. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's like uh, it's like temporary relief, but uh, uh, you know, you don't want to fall, you, you don't want to do that because you'll end up uh, you'll end up living a life of uh, I I can be okay if uh, which is you know I think we all agree not a, not a good thing to do and and yeah basically anytime someone is playing mine is better than yours deep down they're they're really they're really thinking I'm not okay you're you're more okay than I am and that's why they're trying to play mine is better than yours too trying to uh, ease that a little bit <clears throat> all right so look we've covered life positions a bit we've covered games so I'm curious on this one um, I, I sometimes think about this mine is better than yours thing like uh, previously i didn't i didn't really have the vocabulary for it but often for example if i am looking to buy like a new fancy piece of tech or something like you know a shiny new camera or something i th- there's a voice in the back of my mind that that's thinking well sort of the my internal justification for this is it'll improve my video quality and therefore make my videos better but i wonder like is there actually a bigger part of me that just wants this just just to flex that i've got the money to afford this camera like like, like for example uh, and I don't think there is personally like I think I generally don't really care about what people think of me in that regard and I generally have a sort of I'm okay attitude towards this sort of stuff but there is a kind of this this thing in my mind that uh, to what extent is, is this actually a subconscious uh, kind of uh, desire to flex right I suppose the waters do get muddied a bit when if you happen to be in the somewhat odd position where the flexing of various, where where the flexing in various domains actually drives your economic engine. Kind of like that, we we were having a chat on the podcast a few months ago, maybe last year at some point, about uh, kind of social media, social media status games. Yeah. And if you're the sort of person who has turned it into a career of the social media flex, then at that point, I think you have a cringe pass when it comes to flexing on the social media uh yeah so i think like yeah i think like if if you are you know for example like you you're influencer or whatever you have to like publicize your life because this is the only way you can make some money (laughs) (laughs) Yep, family to feed (laughs) you know (laughs) you're just trying to keep a roof over you (laughs) that's why i need that camera (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's why i need that 49 inch monitor look to, to to an extent like you've decided that okay this is like uh the career you know th- this is my career path uh and it, i think yeah it, it's undeniable that you flexing your life is uh kind of a big part of what this career entails uh and you know all this like storytelling thing which i think by the way it's complete bollocks i think it it sounds like a really <laughs> really uh um okay so specifically what yeah we were talking about this on the a couple of episodes ago but you you read some book about saying like oh man you should think about how, yeah the story that you're writing with your life or something and yeah it, it just seemed very like external focused um and yeah all, all i think all this story story stuff is uh is really ringing alarm bells in my head okay wait, 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 but, hang on, hang on. <laughs> what, uh, what do you mean all this story stuff okay I it sounds like you're tarring a big a huge sort of thing with sort of uh, so i uh, i suppose the question is what position do you think i hold that, that you disagree with um i i think a couple of episodes ago you were talking about this book that you read mm. and you said that this like really resonated with you like change, you know, change your life blah 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 mm. because the book was advocating for you know when you're living your life think about like think about how it would look as a story you know think about what story you're writing or, or something like that and you said um that you know that seemed like a good way to approach and think about your life okay in the sense that's just a story being defined as a sort of of, uh, striving for something overcoming conflict and then coming out on the other side uh what do you mean as in that's how we, we, we're defining a story a story is where a character wants something and it has to overcome adversity to get it 
I feel uh, that that is a much narrower definition of story than it, what you said last time. Uh, yeah, I think potentially last time I hadn't I hadn't got to that bit of the book where that was where that that was made clear. Potentially okay. the the image I gave you last time was uh, sort of some sort of um, what would make the best photo on Instagram. Uh, yeah, devil of story. Yeah. Whereas what I'm what what the, what these these st- story dudes are adv- advocating for is more like what is the way in which you can step outside your your comfort zone and do something that challenges you and that you come on the other side of it and then and therefore you therefore you would look back on your life thinking i'm really glad i did that thing because i stepped outside my comfort zone yeah sure that seems a lot less objective yeah. <laughs> um so that's kind of the the story thing as opposed to what's the nicest instagram story in, instagram okay, fine, story fine, fine, fine. so I actual can, story versus instagram yeah, story. yeah yeah i can get on board with that fine. anyway <laughs> like yeah what, what, once you're once you're, you sort of decide to live this uh kind of influencer life where you you know you do profit from flexing your life and all this kind of stuff it's it's, it's reasonable to say that uh you know i'm i'm getting this nice camera you know partly partly to flex my wealth or something but like partly because it helps my videos and like i i get these new gadgets and stuff you know partly to you know make videos Videos, but flex my wealth whatever like it, it's reasonable to say that i'm doing it for my job basically mm. however i think the danger uh, and the thing that you don't want to fall into is if if the stroking that you receive as a result of all that stuff is uh is kind of if you're using that stroking to deal with the not okay oh, that's okay. bad that's a bad that's a bad place to be so if, I, if, if i'm in the place of i'll i'll be okay if my 2020 productivity desk death setup gets a million views that's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a bad I'll, place to be I'll, I'll be okay when i get to a million subs or yeah. whatever or like yeah basically if you if you put yeah i think if you find yourself if you put putting, any element of your kind of own self-worth on the accolade uh, or on yeah. the on the stroking of others yeah yeah if you find yourself enjoying the stroke to you know too too much then uh, i'd be wary of that um uh okay cool so a couple of things to round it off and look i'm sorry this hasn't been super structured it takes a long time to prepare this stuff i spent a couple of hours yesterday like consolidating some notes about this stuff that wasn't nearly enough time i think even in the previous episode like i spent a few hours like consolidating some notes it wasn't enough time so look these two episodes awful (laughs) (laughs) ain't it just bloody awful (laughs) so hard to read about a book (laughs) to to read a book and prepare a podcast episode i believe what i'm playing is look how hard i've tried Uh, I was trying to do the pastime rather than play the game because ain't it, ain't it awful as a pastime, not a game. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, these two episodes are going to be a very, uh, you know, not not going to be like the best. Intro- I, I, I hope people see these as like an introduction to this interesting kind of way of thinking. Uh, and I do plan to create some more detailed content around this stuff because there's actually no good content around it online. There's like four or five books, uh, a bunch of which we've kind of discussed. Most of them are very hard to approach. Uh, I'm okay. You're okay. Is probably the only reasonably approachable one there's not really much sort of good video content or even like articles blog summaries that kind of stuff around it mm. uh so i i i hope to treat transaction analysis as uh as an intellectual project of sorts um, that I really care about and uh, want to, uh, you know, spread in the world. So, so if I could indulge in some game calling for a moment. Okay. So you've just basically said, look how how hard I've tried. Yeah. And you're uh, asking the audience to give you some strokes by sending an email to highernotoverthinking.com <laughs> saying that, actually, Taymor, this was one of my favorite episodes. And I think the way you, you know, you discussed these issues was, was really well structured and really well thoughtful. And I love your laugh, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, look, there's a couple of there's a couple of final points uh, I'd like to uh, address before we round things off. Um, but that was just me apologizing in advance for this not being you know. And any fault with these uh, with these explanations is on me, not on the not on the framework, right? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, so look, ga- games are a very significant part of life. Uh, you know, they're kind of passed down from generation to generation, uh, and you know, to to an extent, uh, there seems to be a tendency to kind of become friends with and breed with uh, people who play this play similar games as we do. You know, and so games are like this very historically significant thing. Um, uh, and uh, and Harris thinks, or rather, Eric Byrne thinks that raising children is primarily a matter of teaching them what games to play and how to play them. Uh, and different cultures and different social classes favor different types of games mm. uh, and various tribes and families uh have their own variations of these games um and so like yeah you, you might find that you and your friends uh tend to play certain kinds of games whereas other other groups of friends play different kinds of games and like the people that you find yourself kind of clicking with or whatever are the people who engage engage with your games uh in in a way that uh in a way that you like versus like the people who you feel like oh they don't really get me or i don't really get them uh it might be because uh they play different they play different games to you or play games in a different way uh, 
Um, and so, we, you know, we, we talked a bit about pastimes as being this, like, you know, new, sort of neutral thing, you know, a way to pass the time. Uh, and then we talked about games as kind of being this a sort of bad thing. Uh, and the thing is that, like, pastimes, pastimes, they kind of, like, they kind of get boring as you as you sort of repeat them. You know, it's like uh, it's like cocktail party kind of stuff. That That's kind of what a pastime is, uh, where you're not, like, truly connecting with the other person, okay? And so the goal is uh, sort of uh, the ultimate kind of interaction. You remember I said there's, like, seven ways that people interact. Games and pastimes are two of those. Um, intimacy is, like, the goal. And intimacy is, like, the true, you know, sincere, deep human connection kind of thing. Uh, and intimacy is what we're trying to, what, you know, what we, should, we should be trying to sort of get to uh, with with the people around us. Um, intimacy is hard because, like, I don't know, it's it's kind of scary to, yeah, it's it's the usual stuff around like being vulnerable, kind of keeping it real, being authentic, all of that kind of stuff, and and that's why intimacy is hard. And like, you know, society often frowns upon you know people being candid or something, or uh, you know, going off script and you know, not engaging in these structured ways. Um, and so, yeah, to get to get past like the boredom of playing a pastime and to get past the difficulty of actually having intimacy with someone most people end up playing games to to fill the major part of their uh, sort of social interactions uh, so games are like these very socially significant things um but yeah intimacy is the true goal uh and th there's no like good definition uh of intimacy that i can give here uh i'll read a little passage from the book the somber picture presented in parts one and two of this book in which human life is mainly a process of filling in time until the arrival of death <laughs> <laughs> nice uh so th that's a somber picture that the book might present that you know oh, everyone everyone's a mug who just like plays these games with each other until they all die uh but, you know, for, for certain fortunate people, there is something which transcends all classifications of behavior, uh, and that is awareness. There's something which rises above the programming of the past, and that is spontaneity. And there's something that, that's more rewarding than games, and that's intimacy. Uh, but all three of these may be frightening and even perilous to the unprepared. Perhaps they are better off as they are seeking their solutions in popular techniques of social action, such as togetherness. Um, basically, he's saying that, like, intimacy is, uh, intimacy is hard to get to, uh, and... You know, it's 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 so genuinely hard to get to that some people might, maybe some people are better off, you know, not getting there and instead just sort of... Uh, instead of talking about the weather. Yeah, talking about the weather and stroking one another and that kind of stuff. Um, that's not not to say that intimacy isn't, doesn't come with stroking one another. Um, but yeah, it, it's, like a, it's like a hard thing to get to. And like, you know, when, when you're not playing games, when you, it's not just like a, a pastime, which is like a ritual kind of interaction, when you're kind of keeping it real, that's, uh, that's kind of what intimacy is. Um, and... Mate, I made some notes on this, which have just completely disappeared. Ah, oh, wait. Okay, yeah. So, so aside from intimacy, there were two other things that were mentioned in this passage. Uh, you, you remember that the goal was to kind of achieve autonomy, to be in like complete control over our sort of thoughts and feelings, uh, and that comes from three. That comes from sort of three three things: awareness, spontaneity, and intimacy. Uh, and I think aware, awareness is, an, is is a particularly interesting concept. Uh, so he says that awareness is the capacity to see things in one's own way, not the way one was taught. Uh, it's kind of like living. Yeah, you know, it's all the stuff about like living in the here and now being being in the present and you know not not having your head stuck in like the past or the future mm. um and so th th there's a good example that uh, that burn gives in the book about awareness um and he says you know there's, there's like a, a classic situation which most people find themselves in uh in in uh, he, he says like modern america or whatever uh which is that you're kind of you're driving to work in the morning and you're running a bit late okay uh and you know he presents three different people and three their three different responses to this situation. The person one uh, is uh, is who uh, Byrne labels the jerk. Uh, the person one is uh, is chiefly preoccupied with being on time to his job. Uh, he's oblivious to his surroundings. You know he's in the car. He's like you know he's driving to this place, but really his mind is at the door of his office, uh, and he's kind of worried about how it would look to his boss. Um, and so like he, he's kind of yeah he, he's kind of being governed by his compliant sort of child. Um, and once he gets to the office, he will play. Uh, a game of look how hard I've tried to to sort of justify why he was late or whatever, right? Uh, and uh, Burns says that, that this person is not really alive. Uh, it's it, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, every day at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's similar to the. I don't know. A lot of people in certain online spheres they they use the term like NPC to describe. <laughs> <laughs> so an NPC in a game is like a non-playable character. It's like a it's like a prop. You know, it's a like prop. a bug catcher Tom who you encounter on your way to Brock's gym or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like some guy who like gives you a quest or something and then. <laughs> 
<laughs> like you never see it, you know. And and so like it's trying to get this idea of aliveness. So person one is is kind of chiefly preoccupied with, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to be late. Um, you know, he, he's not really living in the here and now. Person two uh, is uh, what Byrne labels the sulk. He, he doesn't really mind too much about being late, uh, but he's mostly concerned with having appropriate excuses for it. Uh, and so he will, he'll, you know, once he gets to the office, he'll play a game of look what they made me do, where he'll sort of blame his lateness on the traffic and the guy who cut in front of him and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, and so he's like, he's like, he's not as oblivious to his surroundings as the first person. He's, he's aware of them, but only insofar as he can use them as justification to his boss for why he was late. So he's like half alive or something, right? Uh, and then Byrne talks about the, the third person. Oh, actually, the, there's four people in total. The third person is just really into driving. <laughs> he's like, uh, he's, he's kind of performing the pastime of uh, driving his car and he's like taking pleasure in like driving his car to work. You know, he, he's safely alive. Good for him. Um, and per- person four is kind of uh, the pinnacle where he's, yeah, he has full awareness. So he's like, he's not in a hurry. He kind of knows where he is. He knows when it is. He knows you know, he's aware of how he's feeling. Uh, he's kind of, you know, living in the present um, and yeah, n- not worried about, yeah, his mind and his body are in the same place, which is in his car driving to work. It's not like his mind is sort of back at home or at work or anything like that. Okay. As a, yeah, th- th- this awareness thing, I think we've touched on it uh, at other points about like, oh, when you're washing the dishes, you should be able to just like be there washing dishes. When you're brushing the teeth, you should be able to appreciate that. It's that kind of idea. Uh, spontaneity is the other, the other sort of key component to achieving autonomy and this is like yeah this is the goal of, uh, of the framework to kind of let you choose and express your own feelings um not the feelings that were taught to you or the feelings that you've seen in other people uh and it's kind of liberation from from the compulsion to play games uh and only ha- uh, yeah and, and like the liberation from only having the feelings that you were taught to have by other people um and then yeah there's like inter- intimacy is sort of the the final component of autonomy where you can have these pure sincere interactions with other people um and so th- th- that's good those are kind of like the broad strokes of a, a few different concepts um i'm not intended ah nice strokes yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah so those broad strokes of a few different concepts um i think they're good to reflect on i think uh i think pac parent adult child is uh, a very interesting way to view the world and I, so certainly resonates with me uh i think awareness of games is is uh is definitely good when you're not game calling <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's kind of the main stuff in transaction analysis. So is is there stuff about kind of because it, it's it sounds like they're advocating for it's it sounds like they're advocating for intimacy, which is an, an, a sort of interaction, uh, a, a sort of a series a series of strokes where you're actually being real. Yeah, sure, but it's it's not advocating for like oh you have to have intimacy with every single person all the time. Right. Okay. It's advocating for you know intimacy kind of being. Basically, it's saying that like, you know, lots of people don't get to intimacy ever in their lives with anyone. You know, you might be married to someone or something. It, you know, you, you might have a close group of friends mm. uh, or whatever. And you can very, you can very well structure. Yeah. Another interesting concept is this idea of like us having structure hunger, which is, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, we, we want a way to structure the time. Uh, you know, it makes us uncomfortable if we're not engaging in some structured activity. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, the impression I get is that Burn thinks that many people whittle their whole lives away um you know on pastimes and games just to structure the time uh and even you know some like apparently some married couples even fall into this where um you know just to like feed the structure hunger they will like always be doing something you know they'll always be doing some activity or you know or like engaging in some game together or, or like you know, some pastimes and never really get to uh intimacy and when and, and he said that when, when you kind of find yourself fearing the unstructuredness with another person that's kind of when you know that you have haven't reached sort of intimacy with them mm. you know you're still in sort of games pastimes whatever and the fact that you don't have a structure to fall back on yeah, yeah. means that you're uncomfortable because you're like oh yeah, 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 what, yeah. Do, what do i do now so like yeah the, the point isn't that like you, everyone has to be intimate all the time the point is like you know you should be intimate with the people that you want to be intimate with there's nothing wrong with pastimes games are usually bad <laughs> beware of them um but yeah intimacy is kind of the goal uh, of like our interactions with other people and then yeah the pac stuff can hopefully help you to be aware of your own thoughts and feelings in any way nice that sounds pretty good so i think in the next episode we can just kind of go over the different games that people play because i think that'll be interesting yeah it uh, could be interesting and th- there's some weird stuff in there and i think that uh, yeah i think like a lot of burns ideas and you can see that in the examples that he gives in the book are extremely old-fashioned you know <laughs> old-fashioned is a very very charitable way of viewing them there's <laughs> A lot of them are definitely quite problematic. <laughs> he he seems perfect. sorry. Perfect. <laughs> 
Yeah, he seems like a massive prude. I think he, yeah, he mentioned, like, I, I don't know. There's a whole category, you know, there's different categories of games. There's, like, you know, there's potty games, there's life games, there's, there's marriage games. Those are sexual games. And, yeah, he seems to, I don't know, I feel like a bunch of psychologists do. I think Freud does this a lot as well, where, where like, I don't know, they'll sort of bring everything back to, <laughs> to sex for no reason. So, like, there's a game that, uh, that Byrne thinks uh, sort of teenage daughters play with their fathers. Oh, okay. Where they'll kind of get into a shouting match and some, uh, which will end up in like someone slamming a door basically that's kind of uh, the, the conclusion of the game and you know like everyone, everyone kind of has these uh, you know disagreements with their parents or something and Burns thinks that like <laughs> the daughter a daughter and a father getting into play, playing this particular game I can't remember what it's called uh, and getting into shouting a shouting match which results in one of them slamming the door is as a result of some like unresolved sexual tension or something like <laughs> He thinks this is like a a, a universal, almost universally applicable thing, uh, which I don't know. I interesting. Look. So we'll have to have to get a girl on the podcast. He's he's got a father. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few friends who've definitely slammed a few doors in that time. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah so look there's definitely a bunch of stuff in Bur- that that burn says and seems to think which i'm not really on board with um but yeah I we think- can discuss ideas without having to sort of yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah but no my, my point was that like there's there's a lot of good stuff in there it but it needs to be presented in the right way for a modern audience okay uh and in a in the right medium uh for a modern audience and uh yeah i'd like to play play a part in that over the next stop. few months fantastic i think that's a good place to end this do we have any reviews we can read this week why don't you read a review mate oh i thought you were going to get one up why are you getting one up um okay hang on what's the what, what, what is it is it chartable yeah oh here we go we've got uh, a review from uh, d shah d who says the average of five he says i'm a believer in the adage that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with listening to this podcast podcast and hearing their brilliant insight fills two of those spots for me oh that's nice that's very nice thank you d shah d from great britain that is nice for you um, if you would like to have a, to leave us a review, please do. There should be a link in the show notes, and um, I'm going to read it out on a future future episode. So thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone. There's a link in the show notes. If you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics, we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum, question, or just anything that we could discuss. Yeah, if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion, email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com. If you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly, that's fine as well. Tweet or DM us at N Overthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.